Welcome to FW Presents Find Your Joy. It's a series of podcasts in which various members of the Fire and Water family discuss some of the geek-related material that gave them the most joy over the years. And my first entry in the series is Uncanny X-Men number 153. And if I were to do a Mountain Comics feature like Rob's, it would be in there as well. Of course, my version would be Desert Comics or, or something, Lone Star Comics, Oil Field Comics. And it would be about books I picked up during those six summers spent in Central Texas as part of a custody agreement, uh, because that's where Uncanny X-Men 153 fell into my hands. It was the summer of 1983, I think. I'd been reading comics all my life, but mostly French language stuff, until maybe 1982 when I started picking up the odd English language superhero comic. A couple of years later, I'm a regular comic book purchaser, but I don't collect any one series. So it's my first summer in Texas, and I'm uh, 12 years old. And I don't have a whole lot of mobility, and I don't know where I might get comics in a town with a population of 3,000. Shout out to the folks in Ballinger. And one day, we walk into this relatively small department store called Walmart that my dad says has been running local stores out of business. I've never heard of it. And they have comic book bags. Uh, You've seen these over the years, I'm sure. Unsold comics randomly sealed into a bag in twos or threes. I use my pocket money to buy one of these bags. And there were two comics inside. One was Marvel Superheroes number 105, which reprints Incredible Hulk number 157. It's a fight between the Green Goliath and Rhino. Uh, but the other one, the other one, was a thing of wonder. Uncanny X-Men 153, already almost two years old. A Chris Claremont, Dave Cockrum, Joe Rubenstein production called Kitty's Fairy Tale. And it captured my freaking imagination. Now quickly, for those who haven't read it, Kitty's Fairy Tale is a breather issue between major storylines in which Kitty Pride, destined to become my teenage crush, tells Colossus's sister, Ileana, still a little girl at this point, a bedtime story. Now, the story reimagines the X-Men as fantasy characters and is the story of the intrepid pirate Kitty and her true love, the metallic sailor Peter Rasputin, who join forces with a noble prince whose turban keeps him from shooting beams out of his eyes and a wizard who rides on a magic carpet on their quest to bring the soul of the enchanted princess to battle the phoenix that has taken over her body. Along the way, they find such allies as the weather-controlling genie, a large lusty smurf called the Bamf, the fiend with no name, who is a ridiculous monster caricature of Wolverine, of course. He's mean. And Lockheed, a large black dragon based on the X-Men's Lockheed jet. Now, obviously, based on recent events in the X-Books, which I knew nothing about. It has a happy ending for the prince and princess, and it gets Ileana to sleep. Now, unbeknownst to Kitty and Peter, the rest of the X-Men have been congregating at the bedroom door to listen in, sometimes mildly insulted by their portrayal, but mostly having fun, and Cyclops is particularly touched by the ending. Now, think about it. This was one of only only two comics I had in my possession for a whole summer. I read the Hulk comic once, I read Kitty's fairy tale countless times, and there was reason to. Like Kitty, I had younger kids around me to entertain, Uh, so if I was 12, my siblings were 10, 6, and uh, 2. So my 10-year-old sister and I made a play 
based on the story. Uh, it had stuffed animals, uh, you know, to play some of the parts. Uh, sometimes we gave lines to the younger kids. And there wasn't just one showing either. Uh, there were encores. We toured. We translated it. We brought it back the next summer. I put it on a cassette tape. You know, maybe 12-year-old Cisco probably did a better kitty voice than he could today. And looking at it today, it's still immense fun. And I, I get more references than I did back then, for sure. Heck, I didn't even know who the X-Men were back then. Uh, so the Monty Python cover, the ElfQuest references, uh, Kitty's shirt, and there's a background fairy named Penny. Uh, Carol Danvers is in this, being treated by uh, Xavier, fresh off losing her powers from Rogue's Touch. And she's wearing a Shazam shirt. That one's aged really well. And of course, how poignant the story is once you know the Phoenix story behind it. So when I got home to New Brunswick, shout out to the folks in Edmonston, I found the current issue of Uncanny X-Men, the double size number 175. I grabbed it, and X-Men became the first title I ever bought consistently month to month. And I did so for over 100 issues, basically until it split into two books. And as the 90s took hold, I dropped all things Marvel from my reading pile. I also got every issue of a classic X-Men to catch myself up on everything I'd missed since the all-new, all-different X-Men were introduced. And it's all down to Kitty's fairy tale. And I wasn't the only one who loved this story. So did its creators. A magically grown-up Ileana would tell her own fairy tale in X-Men's 1984 annual, a space opera starring another Elseworld X-Men uh, that isn't as well-remembered, possibly, because the X-Men have been in space opera stories before and since. Not that I think it's a particularly good use of the characters. Uh, the Nightcrawler miniseries from 1985 by Dave Cockrum had the mutant swashbuckler hop through dimensions, including two issues spent in the fairy tale that apparently was out there for real in the multiverse. But the most influential thing about Uncanny 153 turned out to be the dragon Lockheed. 13 months after Kitty's fairy tale, Kitty would meet and bond with a tiny purple dragon who would become her constant companion. And of course, she calls him Lockheed. So if you've always wondered why she named her familiar after an aeronautics company, now you know. And also how Uncanny X-Men 153 helped me find my joy at a particularly impressionable age. Well, that's it for me. Let me know what you think at fireandwaterpodcast.com, on the Fire and Water Facebook page, or on Twitter. I'm at Siskoid, and we're at FW Podcasts. So until next time, I hope you find your joy. That's our motto, guys. Find your joy. 